Good morning. Welcome home. How you doing? All right, man. I'm glad one of you is. I'm doing fantastic. I am so glad to see you here. Uh, before the kids split for Children's Church, you may want to stay for the first minute, and then we'll, we'll let you go. Uh, but uh, we're going to be doing some stuff, uh, and, and you, may want, you may want to take a look uh, at what we're doing. Before we do that, I have a couple of housekeeping things, a couple of announcements. We have a baptism coming up uh, December the 6th. Uh, if you have recently accepted Christ, and I know there are a lot of you uh, who are in that boat and you want to take this step of obedience, it is awesome uh, to enter into uh, a deeper, more faithful relationship with Jesus Christ through baptism, just like Jesus was, just like he did. You need to talk to me. Uh, uh, we've got four people lined up for that, uh, but uh, we've got more. There's more water to go around. There's more blessing. If that's you, come talk to me. December 6th for that. Okay, second, uh, children's church folks, if you are a teacher, if you're uh, arranging that, if you're helping volunteer for that, there's going to be a meeting right after church up the stairs in that first classroom. I want you to do that. Uh, that is to get ready for the Christmas program with the kids. Number three, uh, this is exciting. We have a conference happening here at the church. It is free. We're going to take a love offering because uh, we're going to uh, uh, help these guys who are coming in to help us pull this off. It is just for guys. If you're in middle school, if you're in high school, if you're a college guy, if you're, if you're married, if you're single, if you're just this side of death's door, if you're a guy. This is for you. Uh, it is uh, Saturday, November the 12th. It is Act Like Men. We're going to eat meat. We're going to scratch ourselves. We're going to talk about being a biblical man, what that looks like for our family, for our friends, for Jesus, for the kingdom, for this city, for this college. And it is going to be awesome. Matt Linlin uh, and... Uh, Scott Knight, two guys that are coming in here from Portland. Mar Matt Lindlin is, it is the 21st, what did I say? The 12th? Don't come on the 12th. Well, you could come, but this is all going on the 21st. But see, it looks like the 12th from here. Um, all right? Guys, where are you going? You're going to need to be down here. Okay. Now, Matt Lindlin, he is an MMA fighter, and he's a Christian, and he's going to come. He's going to talk about Christ in his life and fighting the good fight of faith. Scott Knight is a pastor to these mixed martial arts guys. They're here, and so we're going to do that. And then right after is UFC 106. It is going to be broadcast on the big screen. After we learn about being biblical men, we're going to see men beat the pants off each other. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great blessing. I want you to be here, to be here. It's going to be world-class stuff. Now, Ryan McBride is, uh, is, anybody want this? Hang it up. Are you going to hang this up somewhere, Scott? Yeah, all right, man. Good. Uh, we have more posters outside if you want to take one. Only take it if you've got a place and you're going to do it. But uh, Ryan McBride is bringing in a special team of musicians, 
uh, special band that's coming in from Missouri uh, for this. It's costing us just gas. We're putting them up. We got lodging. We got food taken care of. Uh, but we're bringing them in from Missouri, and they need gas money. Uh, he's looking for like about 30 guys who are willing to part with about 10 bucks. Ryan, where are you, man? Okay, you could just give it to him. Go talk to him about it. Uh, he's trustworthy. You can trust that he's not going to take your 10 bucks and go out and buy hair product with it or get a haircut with it. Okay? No, man, stay. <clears throat> we love you. Stay away from that electric socket, though, man. Yeah. All right, so we need some help with, with gas money for that. Um, talk to Ryan. Also, um, we have some new... Uh, uh, Bibles, the ESVs that are under the seats in front of you. I would ask uh, for those two of you who have been chewing gum and putting them in the new Bibles, that's not as cool as you think, okay? Um, the proper place for that is underneath the seat in front of you. <laughs> it is not in the Bibles, okay? Just throwing that out for you. Friends of Cliff and Donna Goss, they were members of this church for a long time, servants of this community. Uh, we're having a going away party for them at the Aspinall Wilson Center. Uh, that's taking place Friday night, Friday night at the Aspinall Wilson Center from 7 to 9. Also, uh, one other thing, uh, Lynn Craner has apples. There's a guy who has an orchard and he has a, a brain tumor, I believe, and, and they couldn't harvest and they couldn't sell so if you'd like apples for, for just anything, that we can help that family out. If you're hungry and you, you need uh, some food, um, just take, take. You know, those of us who can give and those of us who need receive. So uh, they're on the way out. Great. Uh, kids, we're going to let you go in a second. Uh, we're going to help take a, take a one-week uh, timeout from our Acts series. We're doing a standalone message on the sower. Uh, the parable of the sower. To help us with this story, you're going to need a mini marshmallow. We got plenty here. We have yellow ones. We have pink ones. We have green ones. Uh, and you're all going to need us, uh, need one of these. Uh, kids, I thought you'd like a mini marshmallow to take with you and also thought it would be exciting for you to see us throw food in church. So here we go. I want everybody to take one. Okay, here we go. Incoming. Okay, now... Okay, ladies, duck, this one's coming in hot. Okay, there you go. If you have one, everybody's going to need one. Everybody's going to need one. Okay, Mom, look. Look at that flock of birds flying overhead. Okay, good. We need you to have one. We need you to have one, everybody. Some over here. Okay, great. Uh, they are not for you to eat. They are not for you to eat. Anybody not have one? Not have one? Here, here, we want you to get one. Who am, who am I? I'm LeBron James, you get it? Okay, if there's one on the floor, if there's one on the floor, that's fine. Guys in the back, we want you to have one. We want you to have one, okay. Uh, five second rule in church. In church, it's five days, okay? So you can pick them up. We want everybody to have one, there you go. Okay, everybody, everybody got one? Uh, everybody got one? Here we go, here we go, in the back, in the back. Okay, we're looking for you to pick these up. At That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Has everybody got? Yeah, but I'm the pastor. 
Yeah, there have to be benefits to being the head guy. All right, everybody got one? You got one? All right, that's good. It's good. Kids, you can leave now. I work with her. I love her. Just throwing marshmallows. All right, listen. Um, couple reasons. Couple reasons. We want everybody to have one. One, so that you will know that this message is for you. Um, this is for everybody. Um, we've been praying over this. We've been grieving over this. Uh, we've been rejoicing over this uh, message. And uh, if you got extras, you only need one. You can eat them. Uh, the other thing is uh, we thought we would start this out in a sweet way uh, because I'll be honest, for some of you, this is going to be uh, a, difficult, a difficult word to receive, and, and we, need you, we need you to hear it, okay? Um, if you have extras, like I said, you can eat them. They're good. I know, because I licked the powder off all of them. <laughs> good. Now, we're going, we're going to look at the parable of the sower and these marshmallows, represent seeds, okay? They have a lot of symbolism here. They represent the seeds that the sower is sowing. And, and the different colors represent the different kinds of soil. So you may have a pink one, you may have a green one, you may have a yellow one, but uh, we're going to see that they represent different kinds of soil. Now, your kind of soil may or may not correspond with the color of your marshmallow, but it but in May. And this is all about how we hear. How we hear the word of God, how we hear the gospel, how we hear Jesus and the Holy Spirit speaking to us this morning and throughout our lives. How, what kind of hearers we are. Uh, Luke chapter 8, we're going to pick it up in verse 4. So with your mini marshmallow in one hand, your Bible in the other, uh, we're going to get started. If you don't have a Bible, you can uh, take one from the seat in front of you. If you don't have one at home, this is yours to keep. We have already seen this new shipment. What, about 200 have already gone, uh, gone out and people have taken them. Uh, if you don't need one, then I ask you to leave it here. There, there's somebody else who will, but if you need one, we want one in every home and every heart and uh, every hand. So take that with you. All right, Luke chapter 8, verse 4. Jesus is going to tell us a story this morning. We're going to take a look at it. Here we go. Verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, okay, here, here. I just want to take a time out just for a second to say Jesus attracted great crowds. People from town after town canceled their weekend plans and they came to hear him. Okay, those of you who love the little church on the prairie, Jesus attracted crowds. Jesus' proclamation of his word should attract crowds, right? We have people from Pitkin, Ohio City, Parlin, Almont, Taylor. We got people, people from Crested Butte, CB South, attracted crowds. Jesus was not boring. If Jesus is boring to you, you're meeting the wrong Jesus, okay? 
He tells this story. He starts in verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. Here's a farmer, okay? He's broadcasting seed all over the place. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Verse 6, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell on good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out. He called out. Here's what he said. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we hear this in the Gospels. We hear this when Jesus speaks. We hear it as he speaks to the churches in the book of Revelation. When Jesus says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear, we know two things. We know two things. The first thing we know is he's saying, listen up, get this. This is absolutely crucial and vital to your life right now and for all eternity. In, in the plan that I have for your life, this is absolutely crucial. That's the first thing we know. The second thing we know is this. He's not talking about these. He's not talking about physical hearing. He's talking about your heart. How do you hear? How do you receive with your heart? That's the question that he's going to unpack and answer. How will we hear with our heart? His call to us, how do we respond to him? Verse 9, I love this. This is the guys, this just gives us hope, okay? The guys that hang around with him, look at this. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant. Now, the closest friends he's got, the, the 12 guys that he is constantly pouring his life into, constantly talking to, constantly preaching and teaching, they come to him after this story and, and they say, Dude, what, what is going on? Like, like, I get it, but Peter here, he's looking a little confused. So if you could, if you could, you know? So, so here's hope for us. Here's hope for us. That if you're, if you're trying to follow Jesus, if you're trying to track with his word, with his call on your life, and you need a little bit of explanation of all the parables, of all the stories that he tells in the Bible, this is one of two that he explains, that he actually unpacks so that we can get it. It's that important. And when they asked him this, verse 10, he said, to you, don't miss this, to you it has been given to know what? The secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. It is hidden in stories so that seeing they may not see. And hearing, they may hear and not understand. Okay, here it is. Here's what Jesus is telling his friends. This is a, a difficult truth. First of all, I, I, I missed this. I want to I tell you that in my study and my prayer and, uh, on this passage and the time in the scripture, 
Uh, I also uh, heard a message that, that Pastor Matt Chandler shared, taught me a lot about this, and I want to uh, just acknowledge that and thank him for his ministry. Uh, here's what Jesus is telling his friends. He's telling us not a very comfortable truth. He's saying, every time, every time my word goes forth, every time you hear a sermon, every time you read your Bible, every time a friend talks to you about me, every time my truth, my word goes forth, it's going to do one of two things. For some, it will soften their hearts to receive it, and to others, it will harden their hearts, and, and they will reject it. And in this, God shows his mercy and his justice, and his justice. Some people, some people here this morning, same word, same seed is going to go out and it is going to stir your hearts for the things of Jesus. You're going to know his love for you, his plan for you, and it will soften your hearts to receive that. Others of you are going to hear this and, 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 and you're going you're gonna to reject it. It's, it's going to harden your heart. And uh, I want you to know that that is the saddest and worst condition uh, of human beings. That is the worst place to be. It is not in prison. Uh, it is the worst place is not addicted to drugs or alcohol. The worst place is not being knocked up. The worst place is not being addicted to porn. The worst place is not being a liar or a thief. The worst place is to have a heart um, that is hardened, like the background. It is hardened and, and dry, where you can't receive the word of God. And Jesus is saying, I gave you the ability, I gave you the spiritual understanding to receive this, and some others will not. Uh, they have no intention of submitting to me. They have no intention of loving me. They have no intention of following me, and uh, they're not going to get it. And their hearts are going to grow harder and harder um, until they can't see me at all, until they can't hear me at all. For some, it's going to soften your hearts. And for some, it's going to harden your heart. Um, and uh, if, you, uh, if you know that this is hardening your heart, um, I would pray. I would ask you to pray. I would ask you to plead. I would ask you to beg all day, all, all night, all week, all year if that's what it takes, um, that Jesus would soften your heart, that you might receive his word um, because it is the saddest and the worst uh, place to be. Yeah. So Jesus starts off, verse five, he's telling the story. A sower went out to sow his seed. Who's the sower? Who's the sower here? Come on. Jesus. Jesus, good, good answer. In church, Jesus, good answer. So it is also us, right? Anytime the word of God is being preached, 
right? Anytime the word is being shared among friends at a coffee shop, in your dorm room, whatever it is. But here, Jesus is the star of this story. When you're God, you get to do that, okay? Jesus is a sower. He's going out to sow his, his seed. Now, the parable is this. We go to verse 11. As he begins to unpack it, he's going to give us four scenarios of what might happen. And we want to see ourselves. We want to see ourselves in this parable and where we are and be honest. Be honest with that. So here the parable is. In verse 11, here he goes. They ask him what it means. He says, now the parable of this is the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The seed is God's truth. Now, Jesus is the word made flesh, right? He is the word of God with skin on it. He is fully God. He is fully man. When the word goes out, he says the seed that was scattered abroad is the word. And the maiden narrative, the big overall story of the word of God is this, is this, and we need to get this, that God, Jesus the, the Father, the Holy Spirit, our triune God, created created all that is. Created everything beautiful and perfect and lovely and joyful. And he put man and woman, our first parents, in the garden. And it was great. And they were naked and they were happy. But they engaged in sin because they thought God was holding out on them. He was holding something good from them. They believed the lie, and ever since, all of, all of creation, all of creation fell and was splintered and broken, and all the people who came from that family tree, which includes you, me, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, everybody in between, has been broken and sinful, right? And, 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 and with that sin, disease and brokenness, and divorce, and addiction, and porn, and whatever else you got, and, 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 and separation from God, and separation from each other, entered into the world. But Jesus, who is God, eternal, loved people, loved the creation that he made so much that he couldn't stand to be separated from us. He couldn't stand for us to pay the price <coughs> that the sin and the destruction and the death was bringing along with it. And so he left his throne in glory and he came, he came to earth as a, as a carpenter and then a homeless peasant preacher and he lived the perfect life that you and I could never live and he died the death, the most gruesome death that you and I deserved on the cross for our sins, in our place, as our substitute. He died for our sins, and three days later, he rose victorious, conquering sin, Satan, death, destruction. And now the offer, the good news, is that he offers us to trade our old life of sin and struggle and disease and death and brokenness for his new life of his faithfulness and acceptance of God, which he won, which we could never earn, yet we all crave and we all need. He's saying, you can't earn that. I have earned it for you. And I've offered you this new life, this new life. 
That's the seed. That's the seed along with everything in God's word. Where he's calling you to go, what he's calling you to do, what he's calling you to let go of, what he's calling you to engage in, what he's calling you to, to, to step in obedience to, what he's, call, he's calling you closer, closer to himself. His call is always be reconciled to me. Come, come, be reconciled to me and be reconciled to one another. Because the meta narrative of the Bible is that through the cross of Christ, he is reconciling and recreating all of creation to the way that he had envisioned and planned from the beginning. And he offers that to us as a free gift. How do we hear? How do we respond? Four different scenarios. Four different scenarios. Okay, we're moving. Verse 12. Um, the ones along the path. Now, now, um, what is the seed? What is the seed? Some of you are saying Jesus. Okay, it's not going to work that way anymore, okay? Yeah, the seed is Jesus. Okay, it's his word. It's going forth, okay? And some of you, all of you have a, have a, uh, a marshmallow. Um, soil. The soil is your heart. The soil is your heart. It's the way that you hear. How do you hear? Okay, those of you who have a pink, those of you who have a pink marshmallow, let's see it. I want to see it. Hold it up. You got a pink one? Guys, come on, be brave. It's pink, I know. Be comfortable with it. It's kind of metro. It's good. Okay, good. This, the pink marshmallow, those that represent the path. Pink is for path. The ones along the pathway are those who have heard, they've heard this. They've been there. They've done that. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. So he's, he's spreading. He's spreading it all over the place, right? Just like we did. You couldn't be in here and not get hit with a marshmallow. That's symbolic. You can't be around Jesus without him throwing his seed onto you. He wants it to touch everyone, not just church folks. He's throwing it all over the place. It's hitting the ground, the path. It's hitting, it's hitting the weeds. It's hitting the thorns. It's hitting the rocky places. It's hitting the soil. And he's throwing it out there. And some of it lands on the path, the pathway. And he says in the first part that it is trampled over. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? The word goes out and we said it would soften some people's hearts. And we said that when the word goes out, it will also harden some people's hearts. These are the hardened hearts. They hear about Jesus. They hear a sermon. They have a friend who's a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and somebody wants to share that with them to give them so that they might have this new life. And, and they reject it. They say, dude, no way. I, I'm not buying it. I could care less. I, I watch the History Channel. Man, that stuff's all made up, you know? Jesus is a crutch for the weak, wimpy, whack job, goody-goody hypocrites who don't have life figured out. And I don't need that because I got it figured out. I don't need Jesus to be a good person. They don't understand that without Jesus, none of us, none of us are good people. And if being good, 
good was good enough, then the cross was unnecessary. He offers us his obedience, his perfection, and, and some people don't want anything to do with it. Every time they hear the word of God, maybe they, maybe they have friends, maybe they have people, maybe they come to church, maybe they, and they, they're hypercritical, you know? They're going to talk about what's wrong with the message, um, what's wrong with the music. Um, they're going to pick this apart, pick that apart. This doesn't make sense. I don't know this. I'm, I'm not, you know, it just goes to show you, look at some of the people in there. Okay, uh, here's something. Uh, don't judge the gospel based on um, the people not being perfect because if you're perfect, um, you're in the wrong church, okay? He's working on all of us, on all of us. Sanctification, becoming more like Christ, it's a lifelong thing. They become hypercritical and they reject it. And, and the only place, the only hope that these people have if this is you, is to pray and to plead and to beg because the soil can't change itself. And if you know that your heart is hardened, you need to plead with him. You need to plead with him. How does this happen to people who think they're following Jesus Christ? How, how does this happen? Not only for people who are far from Christ and know it. How does this happen for people who believe they're followers of Christ. They think they're there. Yeah. They think they're there. They've arrived. No. Another way this happens to people who think they're followers of Jesus Christ is that every time they hear the message, um, every time they hear the message, they think, oh, you know who I wish was here? You know who needs to hear this? My wife. You know who needs to hear this? Uh, that guy at work. The guy in my class. That lady that I live with or date. It's always for somebody else. It's always for somebody else. The reason you're holding a marshmallow, the reason I am, is because this is for you. Uh, this is for me. Another way that this happens to people who think they're following Jesus Christ is... It comes in here, comes in here, never gets here, never gets here. Well, that's interesting to know. That's a new insight on scripture. I, I like to know. And they have these huge heads, huge heads. No, tons of scripture. Tiny little hard hearts, tiny little hard hearts. Some of it fell along the path and it got trampled and and. And Satan comes and devours, devours it, devours it, takes it away. He doesn't want you trampled. He doesn't want you ripped off. If you have a hard heart, he can change that. Only he can change that. Number two, second scenario. Verse 13. Here we go. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, everybody hears, they're hearing it, they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe it for a while, and then in time of testing, they fall away. Okay. Um, 
You can see the seed. You can see if you've ever dug a hole in Gunnison, you ever try to put in a fence post, it looks like dirt. It's not. It's rock. You get this far. You need dynamite. You need explosives. This is the seed that fell on the rocky soil. And you're not going to like this. But I need you to hear it in love. I need you to hear it in love. This is the person who, who is hearing the word of God and they receive it and it's, they receive it with joy and it springs up and then it dies. It withers because it, it has no root. Who's he talking about? This is so common. Uh, it is so tragic. It is so gut-wrenching. Um, and many of us, many of us are, are in this place. Who's he talking about? He's talking about people, men and women, who can point back to a point in their lives where they heard a sermon, they went to an event, they went to some conference, maybe multiple, and they had this warm stirring of their heart for Jesus Christ. And they received it with joy. And they walked an aisle, or they raised a hand, or they signed a card, or they said a prayer, and they, quote, received Jesus. Months later, years later, decades later for some, there is no evidence of transformed heart. There is no evidence that, that God has entered in and is daily changing them into his image. They have the same old life, the same old heart, but they have this experience in the past. But there is no evidence of a new life. There is no evidence of a new life. But they have, what they have in the past is this holy souvenir that they take out and they get comfort from, some past event, some past faithfulness, some past time when, when God spoke and they, they heard it and they received it and they were ramped up about it. And, and now, even decades later, they're hanging their lives, their hopes on that past event. And here's the problem. There is no biblical context for somebody who got jazzed up about Jesus at one point and then decided to go on and, and live their old life, right? It's like saying, Jesus, I, I want you to save me, but really I have no intention of following you. And, and many of us, many of us are there. No intention. Maybe it translates into some kind of moral lifestyle that you've decided to adopt, but in terms of an, a transforming, intimate relationship of Jesus Christ that is growing and growing and growing and changing us. It's not there. So what do we do? Where do you see this? Um, I'm not picking on anybody. I am not referring to anybody in particular. 
but you'll see this at funerals. You see this at funerals, and this is what Christian people do. They talk about the dead person, and they talk to other people, and they want to see, they want to know that there was some time in the past where this person said a prayer. This person walked an aisle. Oh, I understand that some years ago, they received Christ. Even though there is absolutely no evidence of a transformed heart. They're just not followers of Jesus Christ. And we, we do this. We do this with regularity. Christian people do this. Here's the problem. We buy our own lie. We say that enough that we actually think that's okay. Jesus is saying, that's not okay. That's not okay. And so we live our lives as if we don't need to surrender all. We don't need to follow. We just need to have said some kind of prayer that was on the surface and never got to the point where it changed our hearts, changed our lives. Where do you see it in here? You see it here with people who come to church and hear a message and hear praise and Sunday morning they're like, yeah, baby, yeah. Sunday night, same old, same old. Monday, Saturday, same thing, same life. I want the same life. I just want Jesus kind of in it. These are people on the rocky soil. He's also talking about those who have this on again, off again, kind of casual relationship with him, not as their Lord, not as their, their, their treasure, their, their super treasure of their lives, but as, uh, as somebody, as a God that they could take off the shelf. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. Maybe they come here and they start to pray and they start to read their Bible when things are going real well, but like, you know, the wheels start falling off their life and, and Jesus is just, you know, this following a Jesus thing, it's not bringing me everything I want. So I guess the God of the universe and knowing him, that's out. Some of us flip it on our heads and and we start seeing people who are here with regularity when their lives are a train wreck. I mean, a train wreck. And that's great. And they start to, they need the word. They need to be encouraged. They need their spiritual batteries charged. They need the fellowship. They need that. And they're reading their Bibles and they're praying because their lives are a train wreck. And, and, and then when, when things get better and Jesus works and he shows up, and makes things right, um, they're gone. They're gone. They spring up for a while with joy. And they don't have any root. No root. Uh, and they wither away. Some of us say, I don't know why God brings these trials, allows these trials in my life, like the same week, that I drive my car into Blue Mesa on um, the same week my girlfriend um, breaks up with me and my roommate steals my Axe body spray and I fail my, my accounting midterm and, 
and uh, the Tebo is broken, and, and, and all of this, and my fantasy football team is in the toilet, and I just don't know what's going on. Why does God allow these trials in my life where it might get more serious? Why is my spouse or my mom or my dad or my friend diagnosed with cancer? Why am I broke? Why, Why does he allow these things? If you are the seed on rocky soil and he did not allow these things, you'd never know him. You'd never know him. Um, because you're not, you're not in it for keeps. You're in it when, when he can uh, make your life better. Not so that he can be your life. And he's saying, you're, you're fooling yourself. Fooling yourself. Third scenario. <clears throat> Verse 14. And as for that that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, they hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and their fruit does not mature. So here are, here are our scenarios so far, right? We, we have the hardness, and, and it's trampled on, and it's ripped off from them, or it's on the rock, and it withers, or it's in the thorns, and it gets, it gets choked. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? These are the people. This is common too. This is common too. He's talking about people who receive Jesus. They receive Jesus, but they trade. They go on in their lives, and he's calling them to deeper and deeper relationship every moment, every day, every week, every month. He's calling them. This is supposed to be a lifetime of growing closer and closer and closer to him. So at the end of this life, when we're consumed with him, it's just a step. It's just the next step. That our life is building to this crescendo. And as we start our relationship with Jesus Christ, he's calling to us, let go of this. Let me set you free from this. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's do this. Let's, let's live this way. Let's love this way. Say, nah, <laughs> you ain't touching that. And so they start to trade intimacy with, with Jesus for stupid things. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the things themselves may not be stupid, some of them are, but the trade is a bad deal. It's just a really bad deal. What am I talking about? Tons of people who know Jesus, who have received him, who trade intimacy with him on an ongoing basis, but it's just not convenient. It's just not convenient. It's football season. It's basketball season. It's hunting season. It's hockey season. It's summer in Gunnison. I have never lived anywhere where there's a season where we're going to take off growing and pressing in and responding to and entering into deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just not convenient. It's volleyball. It's track. It's 4-H. It's whatever you got. Do you have nothing close to the same level of commitment? 
parents, I, I, uh, I want to say this in love. We have some parents here. We have people who are going to be parents in the future. You need to know this. You need to know this, that you and, and your kids, your, your kids are growing up and, and you have the best of intentions and you, they don't drive yet. So you get your butt out of the driveway, out of the garage, and you get them to practice every day of the week. Every day of the week. Or you get them to whatever they're into, right? Or they sign up for this thing, and you wouldn't think of saying, oh, it's cool, you just don't feel like it. Oh, that's okay, you just missed that. You wouldn't think of saying that. It's a commitment. Here's the thing, you don't have near that commitment to getting your family together. Men, I'm talking to you. Parents, I'm talking to you. Of having your family engaged in the word of God in a place where they could be challenged and grow and press in and know Jesus. Family comes first. Your education comes first. Your commitment to your team comes first. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ doesn't come first, you're fooling yourself. You are fooling yourself. And what happens? What happens? These kids grow up and they go to college. And, and Matt and I get parents in here who say, my kid, what's wrong? They're making bad choice after bad choice. They're, they're running around with the wrong kids and they have nothing whatsoever to do with Jesus Christ. What's wrong? And they take comfort because they know this first. Train up a child in the way you should go and when they are older, they will not depart from it. And that's true. That's the word of God. But just as it applies to loving Jesus Christ, it applies to ignoring him. And if you're coming with questions about why my kid is like this and why my kid is like that, it is because they're being faithful to what you taught them. That it's okay to ignore Jesus. He's always there. He's always there. There's going to be a time, another time in our life, a time when we get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a time when we get these things that work, uh, worked out, when our finances are together, maybe when I get married, maybe when I have kids. There's going to be a time, sometime in the future, when I'm going to get serious about what God has laid on my heart, about my relationship with him. And here's the thing, it never comes. Never comes. And what he says is all these things, Choke, choke the seed. Choke what he's doing in your life. He doesn't want you trampled on or ripped off. He doesn't want you wilted. He doesn't want you choked. Some of us are trading intimacy with Jesus Christ for stupid things. Stupid things. Watching reruns of law and order over and over again until you can't keep your eyes open or sports in or whatever you got. Don't have time to pray. Don't have time for church. Don't have time to read my Bible. Don't have time to be still and know that he is God. Some of you are trading relationships with men and women for an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't not be in a relationship. You just can't. 
you can't not be in a relationship with somebody, but you can not be in a relationship with Jesus. Some of you are trading porn for uh, close intimacy with Jesus Christ. Bad trade. Bad trade. Bad trade for intimacy with anybody. Awful trade for intimacy with Jesus Christ. We need to pursue the heart level, deep level intimacy with him at all costs. We're going to get you out of here. Fourth scenario. Okay. Let's see who we have. Pink. Raise them up. Those are hard soil. Okay. Yellow. Yellow. Who's there? We got the yellow. Yellow's on the rock. Okay. Green. 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 Yeah. Green's on the thorn. That's lime, lime, lime flavored. I ate a bunch of them and I couldn't taste the lime. And couldn't taste the line. Fourth scenario, verse 15. As for the good soil, okay, the white marshmallows um, represent the good soil. Who's got them? Anybody? No, not me either. I didn't throw them out. Why? Because we all have more to go. And the only people who be offended by the fact that they are not holding a white marshmallow are those who are choked with pride, uh, who don't realize that even the holiest of us, even the most faithful of us, have more to go, have more to go to have our hearts broken and plowed up and made soft and rich and fertile to receive him in the deepest way. Deepest way. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast. I will sacrifice everything else. I will sacrifice everything else for that which is my ultimate treasure, which is Jesus Christ. I will let go of my friends. I will let go of my relationships. I will let go of my health. I will let go of my money. I will let go of everything save this. Jesus Christ. They hold fast. They're in it for the long run with an honest and good heart. Honest. This is a place to get real. This is a place to get real. And when you and I hear the word of God, when we hear the gospel and our need to depend on him, we have to be honest and say, Jesus, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. But I so want to be. But I so want to be. But this is not true of me. Not in the fullest way it possibly can. It's not yet true of me. I'm not yet yielding a hundredfold, even though I've been pressing day by day in a, in, in, a, in a long faithfulness in the same direction. I'm not there yet. And those of us who are closest to Jesus Christ, those of you who are closest to Jesus Christ should know most intimately how much farther we need to go and fall humbly in repentance and confession and say, this is not yet true of me. And what are churches filled with? 
people who are convinced that they've made it. And the problem, the problem is those people out there. Look how they live. Look what they're doing. They're awful. We should have nothing to do with them. The people who are closest to Jesus Christ know most intimately our tragic need for him to plow up my heart so that it's not just here, it is here. And I'm not living Tom's old life. I'm living Jesus' new life. I don't just have my old personality, my old habits, my old addictions, my own way of doing things with Jesus tucked in there because I know I can't let go of him entirely. The deepest parts, the deepest parts, that's what being honest, that's the honest heart that says, I hear it, but you're talking about somebody else because I'm not there yet. And we bear fruit with patience because he is faithful to bring us along. That is the lifetime of sanctification where he promises that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And he's given us his word and he's given us his Holy Spirit and he has given us each other to be honest with and say, I'm not there yet. But he is. And he is faithful. Won't you come with me? Won't you come with me? Because we all need him. And in our brokenness, in our knowledge of how much more we have to go, we can't stand on the soapbox and say, this person who doesn't have this designer sin, who, who does this or does that. <laughs> They're somehow different than I am. Different symptoms. Same disease. Same disease. Question is, what kind of hearer are you? What kind of hearer are you? What is your heart like? Same seed, same sower, different soils. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he makes us this promise. I will give you a new heart. I will give you new soil, a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone. I will remove that pathway. I will remove the rock. I will remove the thorn and I will remove the heart of stone from within your body, from within your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart that is ready to receive me again and again and again. That's the promise. We want him to change your soil, to change your heart. Here's what he says at the end of the parable, verse eight. And as he said these things, he called out. The word has been sown this morning in my heart and in your heart this morning. How will you hear it? He is calling out to you because he loves you. If you only knew, he said. He says, how much I love you, everything 
would change. You would plead with me for this new heart. You would plead with me for this new soil. And I would deliver you. And I would grow within you a life that you cannot imagine. Or you can hear this and go to the W and get biscuits and gravy. It's your choice. But this is what hangs in the balance for you and for me right here this morning and every day. What kind of hearer will you be? We're going to pray. It's just symbolism. You're like, Tom, this mini marshmallow thing. Okay, so this is the best news in all of creation. In all of creation. And the best way that you could think of to symbolize this news is a mini marshmallow. Just go with it. (coughs) You have a chance right now to respond to the word that's been sown. Symbolically, I have a bowl of white marshmallows there. It doesn't matter if you come up and take one. What matters is what you do in your heart to respond to the word that has gone forth. The implications are staggering. They're for your life right now and for all eternity. How will you hear?